Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. We like that. All in one place for totally free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your cellular telephone or your computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else, those other places that podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&As and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions, and best of all, it's totally free zero catch we've been using it ever since we started how long gone and ever since i discovered spotify for podcasters i feel like having the option of turning off the q a's and the polls on the user dashboard <laughs> has really helped uh, boost my creativity and take it to another level i highly recommend giving it a try download the spotify for podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started Hello, Chris. Good morning. Today is Tuesday, aka Wednesday. How you feeling, Big Dog? Um, Big Dog's feeling good. I had to get up a little. I mean, I got up early today, but I had to kind of you know snap into gear a little earlier than normal. Okay. Um, you know, just had a lot. I've already had back to back calls. You know what I mean? My day has been jam packed with action. Um, a lot of calls today, huh? Yeah, a lot of calls and a lot of getting mad at at Twitter over um, the royal family. Uh, but otherwise, I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Jason? Actually, I'm, I'm I'm doing okay. My knee is feeling just a neat update. I got acupuncture for the first time in my entire life a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. or no, yesterday. And how long gone is Eastern Medicine Hive? Just to, just to be clear, loved loved it. It was it fucked me up for sure. So like my my knee feels better. Like the pain that I was experiencing before is less than it was. But my my whole leg overall is sore from the yeah from the which which they said was was very normal you'll get the pain will go away and a new soreness will come but it was crazy man i was i was just laying there putting the needles all up in me and my on my bikini line on my knees on my shins on my it bands he's he's he goes hey lay down on this bed here the bed is obviously not big enough for me so i had to sort of curl up into the fetal position and he classic tj he's like hey Here's here's three pillows for you. One goes between your legs, one goes on under your head, and the other one you hold like a teddy bear. I like that. And I la- I laughed and I needed that teddy. Yeah, we know you need a little teddy, Teach. <laughs> I mean, I think that the pain it's 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 a different kind of pain because it's it's not like um mm-hmm. it's not like unbearable. You know what I mean? It's it's more of like a shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I to- I told him like you know he's like how's the pain level and I said you know it's okay. You know, clearly I'm tatted up, so I'm, I'm used to a needle going in. And he's like, oh, you'd be surprised. Like most of my wincing clients, you know, some of them are tattoo artists covered head to toe, but they just have like a weird. Damn. It just affects. So are you saying on this podcast that the you family called Dr. Wu a pussy? That's crazy, bro. <laughs> you heard it. That's here crazy. First. He's he wouldn't not stop talking shit on Dr. Wu. It's so weird. It's crazy. That's such a that's such an interesting twist. I didn't see coming. Unfortunately, being yatted up does not mean that you're tough. It means that you want to appear tough. Um, yeah, so or it, or you have uh, you know some type of traumatic childhood where 
you know, that level of pain is the only solace and euphoria that you're able to achieve on your day-to-day basis. It's, mm-hmm. you know, Pete Davidson syndrome. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We'll one get more favorites. into those titles with our trend forecasting guests later on today. One, but, of, one of my favorite yatted up f- fellas, uh, Big Pete. Yeah. Um, def- defund the PD. De- defund um, the PD still. We still scream in defund the PD on the side. You already know. I'm, I'm starting to have the... The pleasure sensor is burned off just like you a little bit to where work is my only friend and you know there are some benefits to it and I will I will work I will is my say. teddy bear um, <laughs> let me just say that and no no builder happiness um, is a warm <laughs> inbox for you no no builder don't don't think I, don't think you're gonna sneak that one past me. <laughs> Are you familiar with the Build a Bear franchise? I'm not familiar with the franchise, you know, and their business practices, but I am a power user, of course. A lot oh, of people I like to mint wow, I didn't NFTs you the and digital artwork. I like to mint teddies. That's how I express myself. I have thought at different times about hitting Build a Bear to make a TJ Teddy and a CB Teddy mm-hmm. um, to for a photo shoot. Um, for like a yeah. prop situation, but unfortunately, I haven't been in a low rent mall, only South Coast, so I, I haven't been able to to, to make the purchase. Mm-hmm. But it could happen. It's a good problem to have, you know. I, I agree. I mean, you know, as we as we search for how long gone world headquarters spaces all throughout Hollywood, you know, I do think having our mascots for the windowsill would be nice. So, build a bear is 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 a good option for that. I think, unless we want to do. Um, cardboard cutouts i don't know what those are running i don't know what those are running these days i i wonder though you know do you remember did you ever have a friend in in like middle school that had like the big michael jordan cutout and it would like scare his parents at night you know because it was so definitely definitely yeah i'm thinking about i think what if we did a life-size tj cutout giveaway i don't know about the, just the shipping costs alone mm, well it's light you know what i mean it's it's light. yeah um but I, it's I, an oblong uh, well we'd have to do some you know when people ship a surfboard to costa rica for their spreader weekend or something exactly, like that exactly exactly yeah. it'll be a similar situation i'll go ahead and price out what it would cost us to, to tulum just because i'm sure that's that's where the winner price it be. out price it out just price, price it out, out. We'll go i'll hit there. my local ups you know location and, and do some pricing shout out to the ups family the only way to ship the wind has been whipping a little bit but the i'm hearing jason i don't know if you've heard this too but i'm hearing rumors uh-huh. that that indoor dining could return to los angeles this week really the, the last i heard was april 1 no, April one. April one is when we're going full mask off, spitting on people on the street. Like that's full. That's full. Okay, what is so COVID? April, so April first is what will it's. It will be no longer April Fools, and it will now be Spitters Holiday. I don't know if that's actually true, but I'm hearing rumors, obviously from KTLA, uh, that that um, <laughs> Gavin Nuisance is going to allow a a twenty five percent, you know, New York style capacity, um, and they're also going to, you know, they're, they're ramping up the vaccine. Uh, distribution mm-hmm. um so it's really feeling like you know we're gonna get back to normal which is was a which is you know a crazy feeling actually you know i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be a shock to the system of a lot of people it is i'm actually having people hit me up like this is the first time where there's like a finish line in sight and it's clear enough to not think that it's mania or something like that to yeah to where it's a point where we can actually start maybe getting our hopes up that a real thing is going to happen like it's true after everything has changed now in the last year how is that going to be modified to fit into the new world now that we're able to spit on each other i mean i'm 
I'm not saying it's bad. This is all good. Like we we have the opportunity to make our new the club potentially for the better. Thank God. Well, and it also allows us to find you know deeper revenue streams with our tour plans. Mm. That's really what I care about. I don't care about the nation healing. I care about um, filling my wallet. Uh, with, I care about deep streams. I care about deep streams. Uh, no fishing, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I do think that it's it's um, it's feeling pretty nice out there. Um, you know, there's still. Don't worry, we're still surrounded by fucking narcs. Do you have a restaurant that once we open up indoors, that is the the first of your to do oh, list? I'm, I'm 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 calling my Delta representative. We're going to Balthazar, baby. <laughs> Okay, so you're gonna go to New York? Yeah, we're flying back. No, you're coming the, with me, bitch. We're doing. We're going live. Okay. We're going live. We're live podcasting from the corner to lunch table at Balthazar. Doesn't that sound like a dream? I would love to to pull out the the how long gone Chase Sapphire and swipe it for a nice big seafood tower. Um, invite some of our <laughs> local mates. You know what I mean to come in there and just uh-huh. slurp oysters. You know, mm-hmm. have some shrimp cocktail. Have I mean, fuck it, Jason. I'll, I'll pay for the crab legs. You know what I mean. That's where I'm at with it. Other podcasts have unfortunately been sullying the good name of Seafood Towers, and it's it's time that we make the raw bar great again. Yeah, it's time to make the raw bar great again. Exactly. And <laughs> and I I have invited just to be clear before we move on from this. I have invited uh Piers Morgan on to How Long Gone. <laughs> I have not heard a response yet, but we were trying to get his ITV Good Morning Britain exit interview situated. Mm-hmm. Um his representative said um who and what? Yeah, what what did you hear from his camp? His camp said um like I said who question mark dot 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 what um to my to my inquiry. But I'm sure there's a young person on staff who could be a fan of our show and maybe could relay the message that we would love to have peers come on and kind of explain, you know, why he's going to blow a gasket thinking about uh, Meghan Markle. He he said that he is leaving his own show because of the backlash that he received from from talking that mess. Is that what happened? That's what it seems like, which is interesting because his his entire job is talking that mess. So I don't know how you yeah. become exhausted. That's like me quitting this podcast, you know, and then no one would listen. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, you know, <laughs> I couldn't do that to you, and I couldn't do that to the listeners. And you know, if you you know hang yourself on this cross, that's where you got to die, bro. And and mm-hmm. Piers, somebody should have told him that. Unfortunately, he is rich as fuck, so it probably doesn't, it doesn't really matter uh, <laughs> if he continues to go to work. You you said talking that mess is is sort of what he's built his whole career on, and that's what he does it makes you wonder what was different about this time did did he get a phone call from from the high up saying like all right this is this is the time mm-hmm. i mean it's just You've a little too bit far of the, is it his i mean is I, it his way of saying you can't fire me i quit uh probably a little bit of that and i also just imagine like at a certain point it just all becomes too much and you've gone too far and you can't escape it anymore you know like you can't it's time to stop running exactly it's time to stop running but i mean look he he was i mean he's it happened to me in my graffiti career i mean and it's about to happen to pierce exactly you can relate jason as always but i do i do think that he i mean you know look he's a monster but i i think that like this whole thing i mean i don't know i i'm just like flabbergasted by people really believing it and like really loving it when it's like i don't know it just seems like megan markle is a little bit smarter than harry who's dumb and mm-hmm. they have made some decisions they can't go back on and I, look if oprah got seven million I, I still don't believe they didn't get paid personally especially because they're on tv talking about how they need money like 10 million from princess diana ain't shit 
Like that that's mm-hmm. that's light work, you know what I mean? So so um, Oprah got 7 million dollars to to talk to them for an hour? Apparently, yeah, cuz they Harpo her her production company, you know, produced it and, and did the whole thing, so they just, you know, sold it to the network or licensed the network. The amount of interviewing I would do for 7 million dollars. The best part of it all, I mean, the best part of it all to me is that Oprah really is the goat. Um like just so good and like Yeah? Yeah, I mean cuz she's What are what are some uh, cuz I did not watch it. I actually did catch LP watching it um yesterday on her she laptop. She just like lets it she cuz it's because it's I think part of it is like it's a it's a classic like we're both celebrities moment versus versus like oh you're the little you're the little news person and I'm the I'm the the, the big celebrity. right, right, you know, right. it feels, so it feels it, a little one to one. So not unlike Renegades, only on Spotify, two captains of industry yucking it up together. So exactly. everyone's on the same level playing field. We're all royalty here. We're all royalty here. Uh, I would, I would say that in America, uh, Oprah's one of the most, you know, much more famous than Meghan Markle, who is is known for her work oh, on yeah. USA Today's Suits. Um, but but I mean, Oprah's more famous than all of the royal family combined. And that's you know, true. Depending on what region we're that's true. We're, but I mean, I think that about. I think honestly, the interview was pretty whatever. But when it got when when she said the part when she said the part about like someone from the the firm, which is like the I, I guess like the the most important people in the family, you know, discussing mm-hmm. the darkness of the, her new baby's skin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's when the tide turned because that's like really fucked up dark shit. And I think that like mm-hmm. that just feels like something you wouldn't make up. That that feels real, you know. It's really just like I think it, it's one of those things where like a lot of corporations just like the 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 monarchy is more important than any single person, you know. So it's like mm. we're going to protect that at all costs. And if we have to lose a fucking son who is never going to be king and his like new actress wife, like whatever, you know. Th- that that's kind of what it feels. Yeah, like. we've all seen exactly. Succession. You have to they have to offer a, a head on the stake. Exactly. And the head has to be a, bl- a black-esque melon. It's what Spotify and I are going to do to you eventually, um, but hopefully you won't see it coming. Chris, joke's on you. My head will never be big enough of an offering to Damn, put I on Damn, I see the what stake. you did there, and that is problematic for me. I'm calling my lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we should, before I call my lawyer uh, about Jason um, you know, cutting me out of, of our show, uh, we should talk to our guest, Sean Monahan. Um, he's a writer and trend forecaster. He co-founded K-Hole. Um, and he lives in beautiful Los Angeles. So we're in the t- same time zone, which I feel like is going to let us just really cook with this guy. You know what I mean? You know, he's in, uh, he's in the zone of, of Emily who was on our show, you know, whatever, three weeks ago or something like that. No, shout out to Emily for mobbing out yesterday on Larchmont. You already know the vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm wearing, wearing my pants, my cool sweatpants that I got from her today. I love Jason wearing. I love Jason wearing alternative uh, book press sweatpant in Glendale. I think that's really. I'm really happy that I think you're really going to get some people on board with um, with with fiction. You know, I think with that with that because your legs are so mm. long. You know what I mean. A lot of people are going to see. Yeah, this. I'm going to pull up to the coffee shop and all the broskies outside are going to be like, "Whoa, nice sweatpants!" And they're going to be like, "Is it's from books?" And I'm like, "I know, right?" <laughs> it's crazy, dude. Can I get a Marlboro Light? <laughs> But yeah, yeah, you know, so yeah, Sean, you know, Sean and Emily are both a part of K-Hole, so I'm, I'm excited to to forecast some some motherfucking trends with Sean and uh, and really get into it. So let's give him a uh, let's give him a FT. Ring, ring, bitch. How long gone is brought to you by our dear friends at BetterHelp, Jason. BetterHelp, you know, the summer travel season is coming up. Luckily, my BetterHelp therapist also fancies themselves bit of a travel agent so 
for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions, we were spent off, obviously off clock going through, you know, hotels, ferries, <laughs> car rentals, restaurant recommendations. It's as if I have two wives. I have two wives inside of me. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. So, uh, it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists. You get one that you really like. You guys are gossiping. You guys are chit-chatting. You guys are talking about your personal interests. Next thing you know, it's time to actually do the work. So it feels good building those uh, mental health relationships with people you actually like. And on BetterHelp, there are so many different therapists to choose from. I don't like anyone. If you're thinking of starting (laughs) therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash how long today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash how long. Nice. How Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health. Uh-oh. And internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with considerably less shedding. Thank God. Take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code HOWLONG, all one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got RAF on the nut. <laughs> dot com promo code how long? That's neutral. Dot com promo code how long? Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Say goodbye to swiping left on lackluster meals and swipe right for the one brand that will make your taste buds swoon. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions... Speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, I like to chop myself, or quick microwave meals that are assembled in minutes, Home Chef has you and your entire family covered for delicious meals, witty options per week, and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. I'm keto now. Not only is it convenient, but it is also economical. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 Per month on groceries. Mamma mia. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering my listeners, our listeners, 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert faux life at homechef.com slash how long. That's homechef.com slash how long for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash how long must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. 
What up, bro? Oh, you know, enjoying the good life. <laughs> um, yeah, are you are you actually enjoying enjoying the good life right now, or are you being facetious? I'm being facetious. Okay, your your life is a hellscape. I guess I'm just really bored. <laughs> Have you tried drugs, Sean? Yeah, I've been smoking a lot of weed since I got back to California. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an upside. So you're bla- you're blazed. The upside of Cali Kush. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not blazed of- yet, but soon. Yeah, thank you for respecting the art of this podcast. We don't allow <laughs> drug use on this show. We want people to come in fully operational, firing on one thousand percent. Yeah. What kind of what kind of gas are you smoking on? Are you have you turned into a pussy like the rest of us and you eat edibles? <laughs> I do eat edibles. Sean, come on. <laughs> I, I thought not, you were a real one. I was never a stoner before I moved to California. Mm-hmm. This, this like, still sucks a lot of my East Coast friends that I smoke weed. They think it's really weird. But, you know, I, I what was... About, what about California makes you want to puff on that flower? Um, probably because it gets delivered to my door. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, delivery drugs with ease. Do not plug ease. Historically, though, didn't drugs always get delivered? Or, or were you meeting guys in parking lots to buy weed like it was a real drug? Well, I just I never used to buy weed when I lived in New York. I see. I would buy uh, what, neighborhood did you, what neighborhood did you live in? Excuse me, what, what neighborhood in Brooklyn did you live in? In Williamsburg. <laughs> that was the last neighborhood I lived in before I left. Damn, I knew it, Sean. Well, I, when, when I would watch episodes of High Maintenance on HBO, I, I thought that weed delivery was sort of like ingrained in the fabric of, of New York culture. Yeah, I didn't smoke weed, so like how would it mm-hmm. how would it get to me? I mean I I, I bought other drugs. I remember my Yeah, my let's talk dealer. let's talk about it. <laughs> let's talk um yeah i remember i remember like my uh my coke dealer was like a livery service cab driver mm-hmm. and, there, and a couple of times i accidentally like climbed into someone's uber in the front mm. seat <laughs> also classic. Drug dealer. <laughs> and they're like what are you doing why are you getting in the front seat this is an uber and you're like oh my god i'm so sorry i thought it was a lift yeah you know if you use lift they're a-okay with front seat yeah, this was this was long enough ago when Lyft was still trying to encourage people to ride in the front seat. But mm-hmm. like, I feel like the drivers don't really want that. No, they don't want that. that. They, they, they just want to listen that. to their they want to listen to their podcast <laughs> and like mm-hmm. zone out and text with their friends. Mm-hmm. I see what I, I love, see what I they're lo- doing. <laughs> I love I love listening to sports talk radio and texting with my friends <laughs> while driving around. So I can kind of relate. Yeah, you always, you always want to get a good Uber driver that zones out when they're behind the wheel with your life in their hands. I haven't I haven't gotten into an Uber accident yet, but it, it seems like it's coming if you take enough Ubers. Are you do you drive now as an LA resident? No, I've never gotten a driver's license. Who has the time? What? So what do you do? So, how do you, so you live you live in Bel Air. I mean, how do you get to I don't live in Bel Air. <laughs> Um, I just take Ubers, but I don't, I, mean, I don't go that many places though. I work from home. I've, I've always, I've, I've always been working from home. So, right. you know, it's kind of like for, for nighttime outings. Right. I walk so, you ta- so you take the bird, you take the bird down to Santa Monica Boulevard then. Are you, I mean. I, I can't take a bird cause I don't have a driver's license. <laughs> oh shit. I <laughs> Damn. You really are depending on the evil overlords at Uber.com, huh? I I really opted into the pod life early, and I I have to say I don't really recommend it. Bad for the complexion. 
Yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was a, a struggle at the beginning of lockdown when all these just-in-time services started to get pretty late. Just-in-time services. <laughs> just-in-time services are not actually on time. It's causing problems with their brand and also my life. Is there uh, a difference between just-in-time and last mile? Or are those sort of the same vibe? I don't know. I mean, I just think of, like, anything that you order off your phone with a button that comes within, like, an hour is a just-in-time service. Mm-hmm. Justin, well, what, what, where in LA are you, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I'm in Koreatown right now. Oh, okay, that's walkable. Yeah, very walkable. And you enjoy the flavors of Korea, I'm assuming. Yeah, of course. You a K head? Who, who doesn't love bulgogi? Chris. Chris. Chris uh, is, yeah, I don't is, love, is, a, I, is not a Korean lover. Well, I'm not. I'm not. Don't don't paint me as anti-Korean. On I mean, sorry, he, <laughs> he doesn't. Korean food is not his favorite out of all. Yes, I'm a friend. I'm the, a friend and ally to the Korean community. The food, unfortunately, <laughs> as a longtime vegetarian, it doesn't do much for me. Oh, you're a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a lot of problems. Wait, so um, I have, I have a question. Do you know if you can raise a baby vegan legally? <laughs> Yeah, is that legal? Absolutely. It is absolutely legal. Let me, um, Jason, can you patch in Alicia Silverstone to answer some questions? I mean, you can raise a baby as a Scientologist, as a vegan, as a raw foodist, as a fruitarian, whatever you want. Mm, a fruitarian. As long as you, as long as like the child welfare services doesn't deem them, you know, malnourished or something like that, you're yeah, good to go. Fine. Yeah. Also, there was like some viral case where like, the baby's bones started thinning because mm-hmm. it was Damn only bummer. fed like peanut butter and tofu or something. <laughs> they've got they've got peanut Don't butter. Don't come peanut for my bones. diet. Okay, that's literally what I eat. That's what I eat. I eat. A, I love a protein pleasure. Uh, go macro bar, which is which is peanut butter based, and then um, you know some cardboard here and there. Yeah, I mean, what did you grow up with a regular diet or your parents finicky eaters? I don't know. I grew up with like an upstate New York diet. Just like you what know, does that I, mean? leaves. It means like it means like a lot of potatoes and a lot of cuts of meat. So you're just a classic American man putting a steak and potatoes on the table after a long day on the job site. Yeah, Sean. Quick question: what um, what level of milk are you drinking? I know that it is cow's milk with that meal, but is it a non-fat, two percent, low fat? I do two percent. You're a two percenter. Yes. Mm, we need to we need to switch that up in in, in 2021. <laughs> Jason, is that wait? Are the two percenters? Is that the group that stormed the White House? That's right. <laughs> or is that they believe they've been wronged by Big Dairy, and they're not yeah, afraid to Big use dairy, violence I mean, to get where they want. Do you, Sean? Do you still will you still tipple a glass of milk from time to time? I will. It's actually one of my oh. favorite hangover drinks. It's really good for hangovers. Ooh, a frosty glass of white mud. <laughs> To cure what ails you? Yeah. <laughs> Jason, did you? I mean, Jason's a known Pedialyte guy, but I didn't know milk. J- Jason, have you done that no, before? No, I have never success? heard of milk as a hangover cure, and and to say that I am interested in that is an understatement. <laughs> I mean, this, I, I mean, think it's something I learned just by the state of my refrigerator. Uh-huh. I'm not a big groceries guy, so you know sometimes you wake up hungover and you just chug whatever is cold in your fridge. Sure, sure, sure. And that mm-hmm. that was that led to this discovery. But it is it's full of protein, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I get it. It does make sense. It's, I think it's more about can you keep it down in that fragile state. I think that's like <laughs> Jason Jason mosing to the kitchen in his boxer shorts, like grabbing a gallon and just yep. slugging it back. Um, 
I just feel like he might have to make a run for the for the men's room. Yeah, that's true. That, but Sean know? has been living on the upstate diet his whole life, so he's he's got an ironclad tum tum ready to ready to slurp it down. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm okay with milk. I don't, some of my friends are trying to convince me that dairy's bad for you, and I don't know if I believe. It is. That. Get those toxic people out of your life. Sean. <laughs> yeah. Why is it bad for me, Chris? What does it do I, to you? It just seems bad. Like I don't uh, look. Basically, food is bad for you if you're trying to look good. So I put dairy into that category. Look, just because the fact that the human body was not biologically designed to process and digest milk from any other animal but another human being does not mean that it is terrible for you. You can work your way up after a while and be able to digest it okay. But it it does take some work, and I I don't know if you're ready to put in that work, Chris. But what about like cheese? Uh, Come on, like cheese is good for you, obviously. Cheese is not good for you. Cheese is pretty bad for you. Cheese is very high in fat and calories. Sean, I'm worried about your insides, to be honest. It sounds like you're eating a 7-Eleven three nights a week. Are you a cheese head, What? What What kind of cheese? Mm -hmm. You're you're just like like cheddar, you know, just just like nibble on. Just a simple mature cheddar. Yeah. So you have a you have a you have a nice hunk of cheddar with a spread of triscuits and a glass of milk after a long day of forecasting. Is that what you're saying? Sometimes, <laughs> when three p.m. comes around and you and it's snack time, we start we start peeling off a few squares of cheddar. Sure, I love a triscuit and cheddar. I, mean, I haven't had that in a long time, but that is a really gratifying snack. Well, I, Sean, I that's the podcast. Thanks for taking the yeah, time to talk to us. Uh, Hold on though, Sean. If you're not, you know, I'm not a big groceries guy either. I think cooking is for the birds. Uh, yeah. I don't mean women. I mean, I mean, you know, birds. Nobody, um, nobody but, assumed you were talking about women, but now we all can't stop thinking about that, Chris. But go ahead. Well, no, I wanted to make that very clear. Uh, oh, but I, you know, I'm, what what is your go to service? Are you an Uber Eats guy, Postmates guy, caviar guy? I'm a DoorDash guy. Mm. DoorDash. I used, I used to be. A That's Steve caviar, guy. right? Maybe DoorDash, I think DoorDash caviar. Yeah, I think DoorDash cops. I think they purchased caviar. Well, Seamless, isn't it weird that Seamless doesn't exist in LA? I, I don't really get it. It like kind of does, but like only like their website. I don't know. When I first moved here, I was very confused by it because everyone talks about Seamless endlessly in New York. It's like been, you know, generic. Yeah, I'm going to Seamless dinner. And then here it just doesn't exist. Shocking. I, I, it's, it, was, it was hard. It was a difficult adjustment for me, and I'm sick of paying these increased fees from these corporate overlords um but what are your go-to what are you what are your go-to deliveries since i've been back i've been ordering a lot of speranza oh oh sean my (laughs) god oh my jason we need to we sorry i'm sending jason to your house right now to to rescue it sounds like he's under direct is there somebody with a gun to your head right now Sean? (laughs) not speranza why we need a full complete overhaul of your mouth sean we need to start at the start because the the plague is worse than i thought bronza is the worst restaurant you do have covid19 i'm sorry to tell you Uh, i didn't want to be the one to break it to you yeah covid in italian is actually pronounced pranza what is the so what are you getting just a classic pasta and salad combo yeah you're just getting some (laughs) some third rate arugula some, yeah. some fake Parmigiano Reggiano. Is this eighteen month? No, it's eighteen days. Is that the is that the restaurant? That you, is that a place you? Because you know there is a scene there, so I understand the appeal of restaurants. Yeah, right. I used to eat there a lot when the restaurant was open. It's, well, it's more it's more nostalgia for like being able to leave my apartment with impunity. Mm-hmm. D- yeah. No. Did you? So you said you? Well, okay. So you've been out of town. Maybe the first Aziz few years, will notice you when you're there. <laughs> 
I don't I don't know if I was that that compelled, but Sean, good to see you again. I'm so funny. Um <laughs> did did you so you went you said you 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 got back. Where where did you go? I went to upstate New York to hide from the plague. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you went to were you hanging with the fam or were you Yeah, yeah. I, I was hanging with my with my mom, watching her not take the pandemic seriously and go on vacation with her friends. Damn, your mom sounds like me. Uh, so when was your mom in tulum we might have been at the same time sean can you put your mom on the phone please yeah i'll I'll give her a call she would probably like that um no i mean it was it's you know it's nice to be somewhere where you can like walk around without a mask on and not be paranoid like hollywood yeah exactly like 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 (laughs) boulevard Uh, yeah um yeah no i came i basically came back when it started snowing for weeks straight and i was like okay i'm ready I'm ready to go back oh so you were there for a while you were upstate for a while yeah i, I went i went back for like six months damn okay well i you know i spent two months with my parents and i'm i'm not clear how old you are but i'm a 38 year old man um and that was the longest amount of time i'd spent with my parents since i was in high school and it was actually great i, I like really enjoyed it there was no issues like we got along great did you have that experience or were you and your mom fighting over uh, no you? i don't i don't know me and my mom don't really fight we don't we don't have a sparring relationship, mm-hmm. so things have, things have been things have been chill since high school. So when she puts on the voice on TV, you're okay with it. You don't put up a stink. Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing that uh, me and my brother and sister argued with her more was like CNN trying to get her to turn CNN off because she's a news junkie. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I, I well, like it's she likes sports, she likes news. And so I think, you know, these are, these are similar things now. I don't know if you remember before the Democratic debates where, like, the CNN promo videos were, like, boxing matches. It was like, ding, 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 <laughs> Bernie Sanders! <laughs> well, what, is there a news platform or channel that you would prefer that she watched instead of, of CNN? I think just no news. No news would be better. Yeah. Well, I mean, no news is good. He news. doesn't want to. He doesn't want to say. He doesn't want to say OAN. So I'll say it for him. Unfortunately, <laughs> parlor parlor Jason has closed. So there's not. You know, there's not. There's only. That's why I was asking. Really. I mean, I was genuinely curious. No, it's 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 more just like the. There's a way in which like my mom is more caught up on current events than even I am because mm-hmm. that like that's really like you know the the event factory is like you know Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo nightly deciding like which tweets they're going to discuss for the american people don lemon crying again um but i mean i think you're right i sounds a lot like our podcast it does yeah me and i'm i'm don lemon and jason's cuomo but i I usually hear people complain about their parents being hooked on fox news or something like that but never cnn well it's not like we were annoyed by her politics we were annoyed that like she was becoming so obsessive about (laughs) about news Mm, sis sis was glued to the tube at all times yeah i mean but she she would kind of acknowledge that it was like a a stand-in for pro sports this year was a little bit light on sports coverage so she needed she needed something else competitive to like you know pay attention to and root for Mm mm-hmm yeah, well, also, it feels like action. You know what I mean? When you watch them, they, they engineer that stuff to, to keep you hooked. It's, it's really it's, intense. They're good at it. I mean, that's why it worked. And also, I mean, I think that's why these these stations are all, you know, struggling right now. Or, you know, it's it, they had the biggest. I mean, I think that was, I think the Trump era was the biggest ratings for cable news in history, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, every, everyone was glued. 
the CEO of CBS, Les Moonves, basically said, like, Donald Trump might be bad for America, but he's good for CBS. Mm-hmm. Because they, uh, yeah. like, doubled their ratings for the past four yeah. years. You know, SNL has taken a, a tumble since Trump was in office. You know, it, it trickles down. Our listenership is down, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Like yeah, I mean, it's... I, Traffic's yeah, up. unfortunate. Thank God for Phoebe Bridgers because we you know we were hitting a. Yeah, lane. we needed the Phoebe Bridgers bump, or we were we were we were gonna have to call Spotify and ask for an advance. Um, um yeah, uh, all your listeners have like snuck off to hang out at Saddle Ranch on Sunset. <laughs> First of all, that's just me, um, and I'm there every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Weekends get a little crazy. Speaking of Sean, are you are you doing some super spreading dining, not unlike a, a Saddle Ranch, or are you keeping it? I'm going out to eat. I'm going out to eat. I, yes, I'm, I'm not afraid of the outdoors unless there's a hike or something. We have to. Remember, I just I just came back from upstate New York where the bars are open. They just have like plexiglass uh, partitions between the seats at the bar, mm-hmm. and they make you buy a bag of dollar chips to get a drink. Oh yeah, so it's like they're serving food. So there's just Classic. there's just like a pile of like discarded chip bags everywhere. Oh, most of which I are unopened. That. Of course. <laughs> Welcome yeah, to New the, York. The Lay's Corporation wins again. Well, what, Sean, since you are a man that is constantly staring into the future, uh, what, what are we, what are we looking at? When, so, so first of all, COVID's over. We've established that April 1st, it's, it's lit. What, what do you think? What are your predictions? Your words, not ours, Sean. So I, I, I think it's going to be pretty like fragmented, which is my, which has been my perspective on this the mm. whole time. And I think even just going between like LA and upstate New York, like the perspective on like what a lockdown means, what a quarantine is. What masks do has been pretty like regionally distinct the whole time. You know, like where yeah. like where where I was, like the schools were open. It's a college town. The college was open. There were some little like minor breakouts, but it was kind of chill. L.A. and New York, obviously, much worse. I think some people are gonna like stay in the pod though for like another year or for the rest of their lives. I think like twenty to thirty percent of the population is not gonna go out even when we get it all clear. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, I, I agree. That's, that's kind of high. I mean, I guess I I agree with you, but that does when I when I hear the numbers, it seems like a lot. But I think you're right. I just mean like when you look at it's it's kind of like the Twitter class though, which is why maybe I'm maybe I am like overestimating it. Maybe it'll be more like ten percent because I feel like that when I hear people talking on Twitter about quarantine, et cetera, or like there was like this like mini uh, viral moment where like I guess some schools had this like advisory that if any kid in the school test positive for COVID, all the kids had to go home and they like told them their parents to put them in like separate rooms. And these are like five year olds. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm just like, well, if you're going to quarantine your kid in your house for two weeks, you know, you kind of, you're made of stronger stuff than I am. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the parents probably would have no problem locking their child in the room and forgetting about them <laughs> after the year they've had, you know. But I, mm-hmm. I mean, do you, I, I feel like I talk to a lot of people, Sean, that are, are business owners, small business owners. It, it's in fashion, it's media, it's, it's whatever, it's whatever. And they've had a good year. Like they're up. Like a lot of people I know have had a successful, yeah. like uh, fin- financially. So it, it's been very difficult to kind of reckon that with what you see on the news, where it's like doom and gloom. Everybody's going to die. This is the worst time in American history. What what is that? What is that about? Why is that? Is it because white people with computer jobs continue to make money and it's all good? I mean, that's definitely part of it. I I had a good year. I'll admit, like a lot of people wanted to know about the future this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I bet. <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, I I think it's like just because 
the American economy is so fucking unequal now. Of course, some people are going to do well. And I mean, it was also like the stimulus was just like pumping a shit ton of money into the stock market. So of course, mm. that's going to like find its way around into like budgets and new projects, etc. I mean, also a lot of, I think for in like culture industry niches, the other thing is that like a lot of rich people were trapped and like kind of coming up with like things to entertain themselves. Like I feel like a lot of my friends who are like art dealers we're having a hot, hot year because, <laughs> like, because all their clients were trapped at their, like, Hamptons houses, you know? So they were like, oh, and you know, spent I got... money because they had nothing to do. They're like, ah, I don't know how I feel about this painting. Let's let's go shopping. So I, I think that that was definitely part of it. That sounds relatable at my household. Uh, exa- absolutely. I mean, I've been copping nonstop. But, I mean, I guess I do. We do need the dopamine hit of purchasing. When you can't get it from interacting with humans or just, I mean... All, all we could do is get likes, you know? So buying stuff is the next best thing, I guess. It's a little that, vibration I, on your phone. I guess that's all we have. I guess that's all we have. But, I mean, do we – are we really in – are we really in for, like, a, a new future? Because my, my hunch is that no. it go, it, it's going to feel pretty much the same. I've been reading a little bit about, like, the Spanish blue in 1918. And, yeah. like, it's, it's a really undercovered piece of American slash world history – you know, like when you're in high school in the U.S., you don't talk about the Spanish flu that much. Mm-mm. But way more people died than from COVID. It was a way bigger deal. So I have a feeling we're just going to, like, memory hole this whole year. We're going to have a lot of people confused thinking that, like, 2021 is 2020. Yeah. Because they feel like they, yes. they need, like, an extra, they need a free year. Even though less people will die from COVID than, than the Spanish flu in 1918. Like, nobody was able to document anything like that back then the way they are now. I feel like it'll stick with us forever. But it'll still be the year that we all remember, but we don't talk about. But doesn't everyone just forget everything now? I just, I yeah, feel like no half the time with, I feel like half the time with media events now, like, it's shocking how quickly you, like remember the insurrection just barely where did that go that. <laughs> like, that was... Who, what are you talking about oh yeah yeah those guys were partying i remember that <laughs> no do, do you know what i mean like that that was like the yeah. biggest deal in like a decade for like a month yeah and then now it's crickets i, I would argue i would argue less than that <laughs> Uh, you know what I mean? I would argue like a week. How long after 9-11 did people start making 9-11 jokes? You know, that's kind of like, at what point does this tragedy become, you know, fodder for a giggle? Pretty soon. Pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, I feel like 9-11 to me is like a much more tragic thing. You know what I mean? That was like truly, there was no, like, this was something that could have been prevented and wasn't because of human error. Mm-hmm. But that was a few thousand people who died. The whole thing took an hour, and that was it. This is hundreds of thousands of people, and it's a year. True. But it was also like True. a more traumatizing True. event because everyone watched yeah. it on TV together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this it was like an old people. <clears throat> you know, it's fine. It was a media spectacle. <laughs> it was a media spectacle. Yeah, nine eleven was great for ratings. It was. Yeah, that was also great for ratings. I, uh, I just, I, I, I just think don't. People are just gonna like black it out. Unless people enjoy the pod life more than their life before. I think that they will, then they are enjoying their pod life more than the life before. I think it's happening a lot. What kind of loser do you have to be to enjoy this more than regular life, though? Like, what is that the, all, all the people whose lives have gotten better. Like, the people who had to take a two-hour train to work every day and work all these crazy hours and blah, blah, blah. And now, after a year of working in their jammies why would you want that to end you get to hang out with your kids and shit you get to hang out with your puppo and doggers it's that nine to five class like the white the white collar professionals and it's a lot of my friends who have like young kids 
and have felt like, you know, I think spread a little bit thin between, you know, trying to be a parent and work 90 hours a week. So I think a lot of those people, you know, found some, some extra personal But time. don't they want to escape their family? Like, no one wants to be around <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, like, no one... Not everyone is like you, Chris. I mean, I don't have kids, but if I did, I definitely wouldn't want to be around them. That's, like, a whole thing. I mean, that's, that's like, I thought, you know, that's what school exists. It's father's daycare. It hasn't affected us in the creative class because that's just... You, you have the cutoff of, like, well, if you have a corporate job, you get the financial security, health insurance, 401k... And your check comes every two weeks, but you have all this, this, and this. We we sacrifice all of that for freedom in our lives. But now everyone had all those things and freedom in their lives. So why would they ever want to go back? The office is going to come roaring back. Mark my word, Sean. People are going to be desperate to get out of the house. I, I mean, yes and no. I just think it's really going to split along personality lines. Like people yeah. who are more risk tolerant have already been more risk tolerant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I was in New York during this, and there were a lot of people who never stopped partying in New York City. They just moved to the piers. God bless them. <laughs> and those are my people. Even though I don't party, I'm. I was so happy to see that. And every time I talked to someone from New York who was like, "It was the greatest time of my life," I just felt young again just hearing it. I found it a little bit underwhelming. I guess I'm just not the kind of person to kind of like try and put lipstick on a pig. You know, it's good that there's something to do that like. You can go outdoors and see like 12 people on a pier. Mm-hmm. Alcohol still gets you drunk. When you yeah. Like that, the White Claws tasting a little different, Sean. Mm-hmm. I agree. It just it felt a lot like high school. Like drinking some like sugary tall boy drink. Like a limerita. <laughs> Surreptitiously hiding from the park police. What young person in New York doesn't want to feel like they're in high school, though, you know? That's true. It, it, is, it is kind of a permanent Peter Pan syndrome place. That was kind of part of the reason I left. You know, I was going to ask, why did, you, why did you move to L.A.? I, I, I mean, obviously work, it doesn't matter. I'm sure it's everywhere. So Yeah, yeah. It's either Indica or Sativa. Which one is it? <laughs> Indica. <laughs> Let's go. I, that's why I moved to, I moved to California, because it's a more Indica place. <laughs> um... <laughs> No, I, I don't know. I, I think, like, you know, sometimes you just, you turn 30 in New York City and you're like, uh, I don't really want to be, like, an elder club kid. I don't want to be, like, a 40-year-old uh, who goes out five times a week. Yeah. Don't come for Jason like that. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was, honestly, I was worried that I was going to become that. But I'm very glad that I didn't because, you know, nobody wants to be old guy in the club. Thank God for podcasting, Jason. Once again, I pulled you out of the slums. But I feel like a lot of yeah, the, like, the cool you. young people want to hang out with 30-somethings. Yeah. That, that was kind of my impression I mean, from, like, the drunken canal it goes both. New York Times piece. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a real goes, mix yeah, of 20-year-olds and people in their mid-30s. Older. Yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on that piece. I was talking to a friend of mine about this last night about how that's one thing, a trend that I've noticed in the last year is, you know, in those cool high culture circles, you know, Dime Square, Drunken Canal, (laughs) Ion, Ion Pack, Red Scare, blah, blah, blah. It's like there are those people in, you know, 19 year olds hanging out with 34 year olds and everyone is respecting each other, getting along with each other. And I feel like more people are able to see what they can not what they can take from but how they can help each other and build with them because you know now that i'm older like i'm working with with 19 year olds and 22 year olds and you know more than ever in my life 
Yeah, it's, I think it's nice that the U.S. is getting a little less age segregated. You know, like, that's that's something that you really notice in the U.S. versus other countries. And I feel like it has something to do with, like, how fixated Americans are on the college experience. A lot of people really lock in. I'm like, this is my class from my alma mater. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, fast forward 20 years, and that's still, like, the bridal party. Because <laughs> the people you met your first week at freshman orientation. <laughs> <laughs> This is my tribe. <laughs> um, so it's, it's nice to see, like, you know, different age groups being friends with each other. But I also, like, wonder, I'm like, shouldn't, like, the 20-somethings have, like, some cool thing to go do that the 30-somethings don't know about? Isn't that, like, the I classic think that way exists. of the world? Mm-hmm. I think that still exists. I mean, I, I feel like I'm friends with people that are younger, but it's more, I mean, it feels reciprocal. Like, we're all gaining something from each other, but I'm also not getting the text to come to the rave in the woods in Queens. You know what I mean? Like that that's that, I'm not getting the invite to that. Is that why you go to Saddle Ranch? <laughs> that's why I go to Saddle Ranch. That's more my people. The Saddle Ranch they is drive my up Queens. from Riverside. Yeah, yeah. Saddle Ranch is my queen. Queens Boulevard. But I think it, I think that's the thing. When it starts getting into partying, I think that's when it changes a little bit, just because I think that young people can just do it better than older people. Oh yeah. Bottom yeah. line, it's it's, it's a but young there's person. There's always going to be old people that are like, "Hey, I you know I have kids. I'm I'm 42, but I still want to like go out into the club, not necessarily because I need to like get my dick sucked or you know do ketamine, but just because I'm I want to see people and I want to see life more. <laughs> I want to observe culture because you know with my own two eyes i want to feel it and smell it see what music the kids are listening to how they're dressing how they're talking to each other like you know there's always going to be old people that want that and there needs to be environments for old people to look at kids is what i'm saying yeah i mean i don't like before covid i remember it was like a trend that a lot of new york city nightlife spots were like gearing up to try to like appeal to an older audience because young people weren't going out and drinking and if they were they weren't spending any money yeah and and this kind of made sense to me like when i first moved to new york i like my first job when i landed in the city after art school was working for like this crazy swiss lady remember one of my one of my duties was like bringing a christmas present to the bouncer at la barone down in chinatown (laughs) (laughs) that's the coolest thing i've ever heard on this podcast um, and yeah, so I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Maybe like, maybe nightclubs in New York are going to be for like 50 year olds. Like that's the new thing. What, what does the bouncer at Liberone get for Christmas? If you don't I mind. It was like a nice bottle of booze. Blue label. Yeah. Goes a long way. Yeah. Something, something European and niche. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I also think that old, older people just require more to go out. Like they, they can't, once you're 40, you don't really want to go to like a, a basement or a warehouse. True. I, I think that's a fair thing for people to gear up for because I think those people also have money, you know. So it's a it's a tough it's a tough split. Mm, you got to get a sitter. I need to know if there's going to be a chair when, when I arrive at the after hours. I I also just exactly. think that like you know when I I first moved to New York in 2010 and there were still like cheap bars and shit. You know, like there was like a divey kind of like vibe to a lot of things in the Lower East Side and Chinatown, etc. Mm-hmm. Parts of Brooklyn. And that's all gone. I kind of wonder if maybe, like, the young people stopped going out so frequently just because it got so expensive, mm-hmm. you know? No, they stopped. No, they're all rich kids. They stopped going out because <laughs> they were concerned. 
with their health and well-being and mental health because that had been shoved down their throats. They were doing ketamine at home. <laughs> well, they they were doing ketamine for wellness purposes, not for recreational purposes. Do you think we're going to see the wellness boom explode, or do you think the bubble's going to pop? Where do you, where do you think we're at with wellness? I think it's going to plateau. I don't know if it's going to be a huge like growing sector, but it also depends on what you call wellness. Moon juice. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I just mean like wellness is applied to a variety of things, and whether that's actually like an appropriate label for them is is unclear. You can cast a wide net with the wellness word nowadays. Yeah, like is is pharmaceutical ketamine wellness is in, investing in your mental or physical health more so than things that might destroy your mental and physical health. But that just seems so broad. You know, like, how do you distinguish fitness from that? Because the fitness trend goes back much further. Fitness is wellness. Reading a book is wellness. Yeah, but I, I, I kind of agree. There's a lot of people fucking putting up real numbers at the CrossFit gym that don't give a fuck about meditating or skincare. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, lifting is like... Lifting is meditation, bitch. Well, but, I, but like aesthetically and like culturally, I feel like lifting culture is like diametrically opposed to wellness culture. It's like super mass. I think it's that, like people who listen to Joe Rogan. Get, have you ever listened to Joe Rogan? I was just about to of say. Of course, I listen to Joe. Don't Rogan. come, but but Joe lifts. Don't for come the, for Jason for, for the meditative <laughs> purposes of it. What do you like about Joe Rogan? I don't necessarily like Joe Rogan, but I listen to it for research purposes. <laughs> well, Man. I mean, like if you, okay. if you if you talk to like any like Gen Z male who's like under the age of 25, they probably listen to Joe Rogan or have a really strong opinion on it. Yeah, he's made a big enough noise for a, a, a cultural forecaster or a trend reporter to pay attention to. I mean, he's huge. Remember, like, the there was so much anger about him endorsing Bernie Sanders mm. because people knew that, like, he's, actually, he's a fairly influential person. He has a humongous audience. What's what's his monthly listenership? Like, 100 million people? Yeah, it's crazy. At least. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, what do you think? What do you think the future of podcasting is? Since you're talking to the the stars of the genre, it would be great if you could give us some free advice on our <laughs> podcast about how to I mean, about how to navigate this burgeoning space. We're nipping on the heels of Mr. Joe Rogan. I think it's not about the media format. I think it's about media personalities. This is like my hypothesis. So like, you're I, saying we could take this anywhere. Yeah, I, I I think you could you could take it into the merch space. Done. You could take it yeah. into the serial entrepreneurship space you can we take are, it into are. the fictionalized youtube video space pranks have you guys done any pranks okay yet? you lost me <laughs> have nah, we done any you pranks lost me. Yet? i mean every episode I get bro. It. It, there was a real shift i feel like over the last couple of years where like it used to be kind of shameful to have a podcast mm -hmm. like people would turn yeah. down their noses at it and now i feel like people are like oh well you know fuck all these like institutional cultural spaces these <laughs> these are totally dysfunctional mm -hmm. and like there's basically zero ways to make a living through it. And oh, and oh, my friends who left the art world are suddenly making, you know, $100,000 a month on this, like, Patreon bullshit. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I feel like that's, there's like a weird tension because people simultaneously are like, oh, wow, well, like, it's great that people are making money from making things. Who, who, like, who came of age in the 2010s thought you could make money off of digital content? It was all supposed to be for, like, exposure. Yep. And then I feel like that conversation's just totally flipped. And now, now the dream isn't to, like, you know, have a cushy white collar job. Like, the creative class is kind of done as being aspirational, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. All these people who hated their lives so much <laughs> that they like living in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like I feel like that's a sentiment I only hear from people who you would 
categorized as being part of the creative class. Whereas like the streamer, no, right. the streamer class seems fine. And also just, it seems like it's booming, whether that's, you know, coming out of podcasts or, uh, paid Twitter accounts or OnlyFans or, uh, becoming like a, a clubhouse influencer. How many OnlyFans subscriptions do you have per month? None. That felt like a lie, but okay. <laughs> I mean, they give it away for free. What do you mean they give it away for free? Or, or maybe it gets, I mean, maybe it's getting stolen and reposted on Twitter, but I feel like all you need for porn is oh, yeah, Twitter. Yeah. If you look on the right subreddit, you can see whatever you want. But, you know, that's how it is for every form of media. Are you a big Reddit user? I'm not a big Reddit user. I've gotten more into it after GameStop. I was following that really closely. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but it's it's climbing back up into, like, the 250 territory. <laughs> oh, is it really? <laughs> Yeah, it's back up there. <laughs> what about AMC? Um, AMC's growing again too. It hasn't. It hasn't. Uh, are you saying? Are you hold on? Are you saying that we should have held the line as instructed? Yeah. Did you Damn. purchase stock yourself? I did. I bought Game Stock stuff. I only bought like two. I just wanted to like have some skin in the game, mm-hmm. so I would like pay more attention to it. Be a part of internet history. Well, having having skin in the game. So you pay more attention to it. That's kind of describes everyone who's living in the pod right now, you know, like subscription-based media and all that stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think my, my POV on GameStop is that, like, investing is going to become a new kind of, like, entertainment vertical, the way gambling is. I mean, cause, I mean, honestly, retail investment is basically gambling. Yep. <laughs> and it's, it's fun. It's fun to gamble money. I mean, that's why it's illegal so many places, because people really like to do it and get addicted to it. Yeah. And, all, you know, when you're living in a pod and you have an app and you're buying stocks on your phone or when you're... Yeah, retired. like you could spend that money on OnlyFans or on, like, in-app purchases for, like, some shitty mobile game, or you can spend <laughs> it gambling in the stock market. Or you can buy some Spotify stock. My safe word, in-app purchases. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my kind of go-tos. I mean, I think I think it would also be helpful if you could just, since we've asked you all these important questions, probably should have opened with this, but you should explain to people what it is you actually do, because I think this job sounds fake to a lot of people. It so, is kind so of understand fake. it's a real career. Well, our jobs are <laughs> fake too, so we can relate. But I would love to hear about your fake job. Oh yeah, so I mean, I, I <laughs> I'm called a trend forecaster. I mean, mostly what I do is I do like cultural research and consumer research. Um, I mean, it, it definitely sounds fake, and the way that I got into it was because me and some friends decided to make a trend forecasting report and release it in the art world. So there was like kind of like a, a satirical element to how things got started, but yeah, I mean, basically, I do I do research and make presentations for brands, but a lot of it is about you know analyzing what's like kind of an emergent behavior and making bets on yeah. uh, where they should be placing their uh, investments in terms of media and branding going forward. So is um, this the kind of is this the kind of thing that, that you have like long term clients? Are you switching often? Like what does the lineup usually look like for you? It depends. I, I usually have a couple of clients on retainer and then do different contracts. And sometimes it goes through agencies or sometimes I work directly with brands. Yeah, of course. Is this consumer goods, fashion? It can be anything, right? It can be anything. Usually it's something with like a youth focus. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, a lot Damn. of what, what ends up being trend forecasting for a lot of brands is just explaining young people to them. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes, like, this is the biggest blind spot, especially for publicly traded companies. You know, most of the, the board and the senior leadership are, are not, they're not even millennials. They're not even Gen Z. They're, <laughs> they're Joe Biden's <laughs> age. And, 
Yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, and also a lot of it just comes down to like explaining new consumer tech products as well. That's like the the realists take on the on the trend forecasters' life. So they're like, now Sean, uh, tell me about this TikTok here. Well, you have to remember that most most giant corporations are like operating quarterly. You know, they're not they're not really like placing lots of like five year bets. So a lot of what they need is you know someone to ex- to explain like you said TikTok to them. Mm-hmm. And usually what happens is like I remember like talking about TikTok in like 2019 and just getting lots of pushback from clients about wanting to interact with it and being like, oh, it's a fad, it's going to go away. Anything that, like, would be challenging for a brand to do, like, their initial gut reflex is to say, it's a fad, we don't want to invest money in this. And now they're all, like, you know, tripping over one another to try and figure out what their strategy is on TikTok. If they're if they're a youth-facing brand, because right now there's more, you know, I don't know, 13 to, like, 20-year-olds on TikTok than mm-hmm. Instagram. Damn, really? I believe so. Sean, have there been any uh, any trends or bet or things that you did not think were going to become the next TikTok and were placing your bets against it, but ended up you know being the wrong move? You know, I think that I was really skeptical of crypto for a long time, mm-hmm. and now I've shifted fully into the pro crypto camp. I've just accepted that, like, even though crypto was kind of silly. Like the whole Dogecoin thing, yeah. Um, <laughs> like that, like bad online jokes can can recoup millions of dollars. Just I don't want to talk to be. about Dogecoin. I, I mean, it's it's not it's not aspirational, but it's real. That's true. Shit, yeah. Good so, point. so now you are fully you're you're a crypto daddy now. I am. I mean, I I think I'm still trying to understand what the NFT things are. I have a rudimentary understanding, but this feels like. In the same way when, like, crypto first broke, I had, like, a very poor understanding of how it works. But I kind of wonder if this is, like, you know, you go to watch, like, these old videos in the 90s where they're trying to explain what the internet is. And I wonder if, like, the my lack of comprehension is just because before there's a cultural narrative in place to explain something, you tend to get, like, an overly technical explanation. I think that just means it's an incipient technology. But, like, I mean, remember, like, Paul Krugman said that the internet was a fad. Well, look, let's is, let Paul live another day, okay? Like, I, this is like this is one of these things that's always trotted out against him. Being like, remember how you bet against the internet? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, NFTs to me. Let me explain it to you guys real simply. Mm-hmm. Kings of Leon sold their album for six million dollars in NFT. If you don't understand that, then you don't need to put your money where your mouth is. The king has spoken. Well, it, it the is king has ba- spoken. Azalea Banks and Ryder Rip sold their sex tape for like eighteen grand. That's the coolest one I've the seen. The audio yet. file of their sex tape. It's just the, okay. It's audio file, but still. <laughs> but you can listen to it and jack off. Would you pay eighteen racks to hear Azalea Banks moan? That's cool. No, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. But would, would I pay eighteen to hear Ryder moan? Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, my presumption is that like part of the reason why some of these things are being priced so crazily is that. A lot of people bought into the Ethereum network early on. And so maybe like their Ethereum isn't worth as much as it is to a newbie. Like if you bought in Ethereum when it was like a dollar and now it's $2,000. Still kind of feels like monopoly money a little bit. Yeah. And then I I also, I believe, but I would probably have to be fact-checked on this, that when you cash out your cryptocurrency, to buy something in the real world without cryptocurrency, you have to pay like taxes on the transaction. It's, I guess it's kind of like a stock where exactly if it's appreciated or depreciated in value, then you'd have to pay that. I forgot but then, like, what else can you do with all this crypto money that you have? What if you don't want to like pay taxes on it? Yeah, you have to keep it in the system basically. So you're buying NFTs. I, yeah, exactly. 
what I'm interested in is like how divisive NFTs are, like how people's opinions of them are like really strong. People either see it as like the salvation of like a creative digital economy or people see it as like a huge joke that's just kind of like uh, sullying the culture making everything look stupid and like a joke. Well, I'm somewhere in between where I think everything is stupid. Um, <laughs> and this is just kind of one of those things. But if you can make money on it, then I guess that's cool. You, you know, that's kind of where it falls. Like, I, I just, I don't think it's going to change the world, but I also don't think it's, it's a problem. I, I think that the harder something is to understand, the more divisive it'll be. The more, you know, when crypto first came out, I was like, oh, I have a couple of friends who are like making some, decent money on their Bitcoin investments. But, you know, I, I never got into it because it was just so, the barrier of entry for me to understand it was so high. So all you can do is sit back and be like, I made the decision not to invest in NFTs or crypto. And all I can do is hope to God that the government shuts it down. So I don't feel like an idiot when all my friends are billionaires and, and I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like my friends who live in the Bay Area have a lot of resentment towards their crypto bro friends <laughs> you know because they just they just kind of were like nerding out in like 2013 yeah <laughs> and now they have like a yeah, couple million dollars ago, bitcoin was monopoly money and now it's like oh i have 118 million dollars the best story i heard about that was someone saying that like some of their friends who were drug dealers and had just been using bitcoin to like do mm. digital drug transactions <laughs> <laughs> like ended up getting like sent away to jail and then getting out of prison and realizing they had like millions of dollars in cryptocurrency. Damn, that's fire. That's really cool. <laughs> I mean, that's a script that I want to sell. I mean, who's who's playing this guy? Is it is Jonah Hill Wardog coming back? Is he gaining weight for this role? I think this is Wardogs too. I think Miles <laughs> Heller and Jonah reunite for Wardogs to the crypto years. Throw Miles a bone, you know? Yeah, that sounds good. I, I would I, watch that. I would watch that movie. This year for movies has been really bad, hasn't it? I don't watch movies really. It's too much commitment. <laughs> Do you watch TV? Yeah, but only the bad stuff. I, I try to stay away from prestige. <laughs> it, it, it just, I'm, I can't deal at this point. Jason watches everything. Jason's a pretty good. Jason's pretty good about it. I don't watch everything. There hasn't been much that's grabbing me by the dick, unfortunately. I've just been watching old stuff. Old stuff it's, is the way to go. What are we it's talking really, about? really comforting. It's like you, the, you watch the stew What's of content. No, not that I old. Love Lucy? Like, I, I'm watching stuff that I used to watch in like high school and middle school. So it's really like late '90s, early 2000s. Dawson's Creek is available in full on Netflix. So. Yeah, I, I rewatched Dawson's Creek. I rewatched Laguna Beach. Mm. Got halfway go. halfway through the hills. Wow, you have great taste. A real era. Who's your hills girl? You know, weirdly, I've always liked Low, even though she's no, not a you chose wrong. The, answer, the right answer is is Whitney Port, former guest of How Long Gone, um, and you answered wrong. But Low, swing and a miss, Sean. Low is in our social circle, so we are probably going to try to get Low on the podcast as well. And then once we get Lauren, we've con- we've completed the trifecta. Nice. I mean, it was really such an era. The music is so good. <laughs> fashion is the fashion's just mind-boggling. It's just really weird to like look back at a time in the US where people were kind of like checked out, optimistic. <laughs> yeah, no you're right. You're right. Not a care in the world. Having fun partying, just like an entirely different country, entirely different city. The economy hadn't collapsed yet. Yeah. Joe's jeans, a billboard on every street corner. Yeah, that's my like nightly activity to smoke some weed and try to like remember like the sensory experience of like pre smartphone, pre recession America. I've I've been guilty of the same. 
the if the lockdown didn't happen, I don't know if I would ever take a walk down memory lane. I don't know if that's going to be mentally beneficial for me or not. Well, I I wonder about this because just like nostalgia's been like the trend that won't stop since the beginning of time. I was in high school, you know, like since the early two thousands. I feel like nostalgia's been like the major cultural force mm-hmm. defining everything, and now with all these streaming services. They're just like a nostalgia bonanza, you know? I mean... That's the name of your new Substack, by the way. Yeah, nostalgia bonanza. Uh-huh. Um, it's kind of shocking. And I wonder, like, what percentage of viewers watching streaming channels are watching old things versus new things? Because it's, it's not proprietary. Like, Netflix obviously will like be like, oh, I think they said, like, Bridgerton was, like, the most streamed show or whatever of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, also, I like, kind of wonder, like, is that true? What about, like, versus, I don't know, like, Seinfeld on Hulu or something? It, it certainly couldn't be getting more than, like, just Friends. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole Friends thing was super weird. I remember going, like, I would go to the Americana last summer and just see tons of, like, teenagers... Mm-hmm. Wearing friends sweatshirts and skinny jeans. It's crazy. <laughs> friends is a bad show. Like friends yeah. is never good. That brings me to something that I want to talk about is like how you know how we all judge each other based on what form of nostalgia we enjoy because so many people who are cool and interesting friends is their nostalgia dopamine hit and for chris and i it's like oh like you would judge somebody if that's your favorite show like oh you're kind of a simple-minded folk but these were like kids who were getting into it who you know weren't even born when it went off the air i don't really entirely understand what the draw of friends was for like young people but they they saw something in it that I think it's just a smooth, smooth brain, like New York porn. I mean, it's it's just easy to watch. Nothing and, truly and bad ever it, happened. Salacious romances. Yeah, it was just romances and and hitting Central Perk. You know, there wasn't much to it. Yeah, I mean, we. I'm kind of surprised that we don't have any good sitcoms anymore. Like the sitcom, the sitcom is really is dead, um, unfortunately. Yeah, it's the lost art. Yeah, what was the last good sitcom? I feel like the last good, or actually. Curb Your Enthusiasm is still kind of a sitcom. Yeah, that's a good point. I would agree with you. It's pretty few and far between. I think some people might say that Curb Your Enthusiasm isn't because it's not filmed on like a studio, mm-hmm. like a soundstage. Um, it doesn't have the laugh track. And obviously, like, you know, Larry David's just kept going with the like, that like kind of like 2000s trend of making every sitcom feel like a mockumentary. Mm-hmm. That was started by like mm-hmm. The Office and Parks and Rec, etc. The Office is the greatest sitcom of all time, Jason. That's the answer. Yeah, actually, that's the last great sitcom. I agree with that. Even even I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that that, to me, feels the most authentic to the genre, whereas I don't think... I feel like those shows are expensive to make and just don't do well enough, so none of these streaming services, they look at their data and they're like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. Yeah, they're, just, they're making miniseries now exclusively. Netflix cancels every show after, like, two seasons because they've, like squeeze the squoze and like they're not getting any new subscribers out of it i guess jason and i's idea for a sitcom that we've had is is not i guess we're not gonna be able to sell it jason it's about bagels in california i'm still working on the script is this about that new york times piece about how the best bagels in the u.s are on the west coast now <laughs> yeah we've we've actually been developing a screenplay about that topic <laughs> is that uh, true last... <laughs> i wish it um, were, but it, i mean it can't can be. you guys confirm that pops bagels in culver city is the best bagel spot in the u.s this is an anti-culver I've, city podcast we don't really like to you, don't, you don't go there. there not unless it's a we channel. don't like culver city or carbs but jason does everyone i know says courage bagels is actually that good i'll take it i honestly i've just avoided west coast bagels since i've been out here so i don't have a strong opinion are you a real bagel are you a bagel guy 
In New York, I was. I had a bagel every day. I feel like that was like the running joke. You know, you'd go out to dinner with your friends. Be like, oh my god, all I had today was a bagel and Adderall. <laughs> oh, you're making me miss New York. <laughs> That's like the diet. Um, <laughs> but then, he, I mean, here it's like you really have to go out of your way to find a bagel spot. You know, it's, it's not. It's not like you just walk out of your apartment and like, bam, there's a decent bagel. It's true. No, it's true. You walk out of your apartment and it's just another beautiful day of sunshine. You know, it smells great. It looks great. You know, it's, it's, it's better than bagels. I would say if I had to, if I had to. Yeah. Bagels are the new gaming. (laughs) Mm. Sean, we were talking really quick before we close out, we were talking about, you know, nostalgia and stuff like that. I was curious what, if you had a favorite year for culture in general, I'm attracted to 2005. Uh, but I don't know why. What kind? Of, does, does 2005 have a does, does 2005 have a nice ass on her, or just like I don't know. What, was, what about it? It was it was the year I graduated high school and started RISD, so that was a it was a good transformative year for me personally. So I'm just projecting myself when a boy became a man. Yeah, it was also the year I started I, wearing, I started wearing skinny jeans. There we go. That's the real answer. Okay. <laughs> The dawn, Sean becomes a man, and the dawn of the skinny jean era coalesce into the perfect time. They're really back now. I don't know, like, well, you you spent enough time at uh, Saddle Ranch, Chris. You must see all the the I've seen some skinny, skinny, I've seen skinny some, jeans. I've seen some rock star skinnies on the fellas. Sean, do you have a problem with rock star skinnies? I don't. Yeah, I don't. Bro, it's, don't... A, it's a real flashback to 2005, though. You know, like I feel like when the I pull skinny up, Sean... went away for a while, and now it's back with mm-hmm. like a real vengeance. Sean, when you pull up to Saddle Ranch and you see me and my skin tight Amiri's with the Saint Laurent boots on, boy, you're gonna be you're gonna be throwing yourself at me. Don't even play. The skinny jeans of 2005, the the technology hadn't caught up to the comfort and usability that we've learned that we need from you know wearing sweatpants and and baggy wide leg row style jeans or pants. I used to have to get my friends to take my pants in. Exactly, and now thanks to our good friends Balmain or Amiri, they develop a <laughs> nice little knee. A the knee elastic area technology. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you get. You get all the benefits of a skin-tight rock star skinny. Dick and balls is shown and outlined perfectly, but you're able to sit down, get in and out of the Tesla with ease. You're not having to pull. No problem. You know, the ass crack is not being exposed when you're... Yeah, when I... Yeah, the moose knuckles when I jump back. Out, <laughs> when I jump out... When, when I jump out of the G-Wagon and catch in my ball main <laughs> skinnies... <laughs> Trust me, the table is ready. Okay, you know what I mean. They, they know, they know. Big CB is in town. I've got the bandana tied around my knee. You know, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. I look like I could be in the NBA. Yeah, but Sean, put that in your little trend forecast, okay? Yeah, it's 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 really a look. It's it's kind of shocking to see it again, though. Like I, I was having dinner it with is. Some, some friends at Pache, and we spotted a squad of of TikTokers and barely there. They're almost jeggings. They're on the road. Barely there. <laughs> Barely there jeggings at Pato. Sean, you can really tell that you love that you made the right decision of living in LA. Yeah. No, I mean, it's great. It's great. I wish uh, maybe a little less smog, a little less forest fires. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that, that's, those are my wishes. We can do that. Yeah, Elon Musk fine. is going to fix our smog problem. The fires will unfortunately continue to rage, but if you're in K Town, you'll be fine. There's not a whole yeah, lot of exactly. I'm not in that. the what? What is it called? The urban wildlife interface. <laughs> that, the, that I did not know. Urban wildlife interface. I'm. I might be. 
I'm like paraphrasing here. There's some term for like all the excerpts, like Calabasas, like right out on the edge of the forest oh. that like attracts these wildfires. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Yeah, there, there should be a classification for that. It's called Kardashian. Look, I, I mean, just where I live in Glendale is an, is an urban, what you, whatever you just said. <laughs> right behind me, there's some. Are you sure that's very not just an Armenian guy throwing a cigarette on the ground on some dry grass? <laughs> There's always a there's always a worry that that could happen. It could change your life. Yeah, it could change your life with the flick of a Winston. Much like coming on this podcast, Sean, your life has changed. Thank you for joining us. Expect those subbies on your uh, newsletters to go through the roof after this thing drops tomorrow. Oh, amazing! Thanks, guys. <laughs> what is, uh, tell people, tell people uh, where they can find you on the World Wide Web. Uh, I have a, a newsletter. It's called Eight Ball Substack.com. Um, I write weekly trend forecasts i've been taking a little bit of a break for the winter but we're gonna come back strong for the spring maybe we need to switch to sativa sean thank you again and uh we will talk to you soon have a good day all right bye guys thank you for having me later My pleasure of course Shaking cold, these hands are meant to hold. Thank you, thank you.